Welcome to Backwash. I'm John from AdamRiff.com. And I am Adam, a zombieologist on Twitter. And this is episode three. Okay, for some reason, I was thinking about the song 99 Bottles. You know, 99 bottles of beer on a wall. On the wall, 99 bottles of beer. Take one down, you pass it around, 98 bottles of beer on the wall, and so forth. And on and on forever. I got to thinking, the, the beers on the wall probably aren't chilled right warm beer yeah yeah and so they're they're passing around warm beer and seemingly enjoying it and the second thought is are they all drinking from the same bottle they're just passing this warm beer around and that would be my main health concern it not being cold i guess isn't a big deal the germans drink warm beer but a disgusting bottle of beer that's been passed around is probably full of backwash and um, retailers in my area have started accepting chip and pin credit card. Do you have one? I don't have a card yet. Nope. Oh, I just I just got one in October, I think. I know Target. Now you don't swipe your card. You just stick the card in. It it, it processes the chip or something, and then you just pull the card out and you you go. So you, you don't have to sign anymore. And uh, Trader Joe's does this too, but it's weird because it's the same console at all these retailers but some of them the slot is taped is o- up is yeah, taped it's, over yeah i've seen that so, i've seen that at a couple of places i don't know i i've read complaints that it takes too long yeah, to wait for it's up the transaction time a little bit that's like the one drawback one of the drawbacks but I, I think people will come around to it when restaurants start accepting it. I know in Canada they have these devices where they bring it to you. It's like a little, it's like a little like, calculator thing, and you stick your card in, and it asks you what percentage tip you want to do, and that's really nice. You know, you can just press a button no, and to tip twenty percent. Yeah, no calculating the actual numbers. It just does it. But um, until like I, I didn't have this this, this chip. For the longest time, I've been waiting to get these these chip and pin cards because when you when when I went to Canada, they'd make you swipe the card and you'd have to sign the the receipt because you're not from Canada. I was wondering, do you ever like actually sign your signature when you're asked to sign for a credit card purchase? Mine's mine's pretty accurate to my actual signature, yeah. Because I just you just, I just scribble, tend to, like, yeah. It's just, it's just a squiggly line, mm-hmm. and I wonder, like, do they ever? come back to your signatures that you use for these purchases are they ever what well, what's um, the actual verification that that's at your signature because if you don't sign anything else that way but it's always your credit card receipt i mean it's still your signature but what do they have yeah, to but compare it's just it? a squiggly line so, so they can't they can't prove that it's you right and how and how would they is there a database of signatures so i've never understood that either i signed my normal name but i know a lot of people dealing with credit card transactions at work there's no way that they just they just scribble on things. It's pretty common. Yeah, it's just a whenever whenever I have to sign a receipt or like one of those electronic keypads, it's just a squiggly line. Except when I go in to renew my driver's license, I I really want my signature on my driver's license to look really nice. But the problem is the the signature pad at the DMV is the 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 stylus doesn't have a point. It's a curved like nub, and you can't really get any precision doing your signature on this keypad and i just i just hate having to sign my signature it's like what it's, it's what i dread when going to renew my license i always want the signature to look good and it never does because i'm sitting there trying to work with this nub the stylus with no point at the end needless to say they don't have the apple pencil yeah to sign your name we're recording this tail end of the thanksgiving weekend so tomorrow is Cyber Monday and Black Friday just passed and I didn't plan on buying anything for Black Friday but then I realized or rather remembered that all the cool t-shirt retailers were also holding sales like 20% off, 30% off free shipping and stuff like that. And I wanted to look in for, I went to look at the shirts, the shirt designs and I just find them also uninspired. <laughs> Like you go through the you go through the shirt designs. Like I'm I'm looking at uh, Nita Rama, the Nita Shop, or 
It's T Fury, and there's a lot of Rick and Morty, a lot of Jessica. Jo- I saw some Jessica Jones, a lot of Doctor Who, Game of Thrones, Star Wars, of course. It's what I like I found- to. It's what I like to call the hot topic selection of graphic tees. Is kind of what you're describing, because that's what it makes me think of. Is what you would find a hot topic. And it, kind of it, it, if you, I think if you go look at what's the most torrented stuff on the internet, it, it probably matches up with what's the most commonly, uh, what's the most, what are the most prevalent shirt designs uh, that people create. <laughs> There's a parallel uh, between the two. Yeah, I, I found like one Fargo one. It was Mike Milligan and the Kitchen Brothers, a prog rock band, but. It wasn't. It wasn't that cool. But yeah, like looking through these shirt designs. Yeah, I should create a, a matrix of pop culture IPs, and we can just go through and see which ones of them have been matched up into T-shirt designs. Because I feel like every popular television show has a Calvin and Hobbes design. Like Star Wars has been mashed up with a bunch of them. Doctor Who has been mashed up with a bunch of them. We could just see which ones haven't been done yet. I saw one that was Minions and Big Bang Theory. And you wonder, is there a Minions and Jessica Jones one yet? Is there a Minions and Star Wars one yet? Because it's, uh, all, it's all pretty uninspired and they choose from the same things. And I was thinking about creativity, looking at these shirts, whether or not these people were being creative. And, and I know it's Pot Kettle Black. Like My year-end uh, mix covers... Last year it was Guardians of the Galaxy times Boyhood, and the year before it was Breaking Bad times Drake. Well, while I am creating something, I feel like, you know, you look at you look at a shirt where it's Calvin and Hobbes times Star Wars, and that's creative. But the really truly creative people are the ones creating Star Wars, and 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 Calvin and Hobbes. And you know, what are we doing here with all these with with mashups? Because it feels like all creativity is nowadays is 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 mashups everywhere, you know. Well, there's a, there's a whole ton of artists who make a ton of money based on the properties of other people, like the poster guys, everything. Yeah, I mean, e- even like memes. What are memes? You know, people will take the. Have you seen the crying Michael Jordan face? Yeah. And let's paste it onto every in every situation. That's that's they're creating something, but what is it? <laughs> I, <laughs> I probably have I have less of a problem when somebody's not making money off of these things. When and, and, when, when you're selling it on a shirt, you're gonna be hard pressed to get my money. And off. you you have all these people creating these designs. I wonder if they're if they're truly creative. Like, could they make original shirt designs and choose not to, or is this all they know how to do? Just pick pop culture mashups of everything. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean. Is this is this all they're capable of? We're both at fault for these sorts of things. You've saw you've seen my my badminton tournament posters. They're they're similar, you know. There will be badminton based on there will be blood. Where I'm I'm at fault just as much, but I'm not profiting from from it, so I don't feel so bad. Plus, it's stupid and it's not a very you know. There's not a wide audience seeing this stuff, so I don't have to feel bad about it. Yeah, I mean, even money aside, is this is this just who we are nowadays? <laughs> I wonder. Is this the extent of our creative? abilities as humans peak creativity is just sticking one thing with another thing because even in like the designer streetwear world i i I look at i look at their designs and you frequently i I frequently see plain t-shirts with just a a picture on them like a square graphic on them on the on the chest and that's it and they sell it for 35 dollars i don't know how they i don't know how you can sell it for 35 dollars i saw one that was just it was it was a plain T-shirt with a still from the movie City of God. The uh, the kid holding the gun. I think everyone's seen that still. How can you charge people thirty five dollars for that? Especially on a Hanes beefy tee, because you know that's what it is too. Yeah. <laughs> it's even on a garbage blank too. So yeah, that was um, the extent of my Black Friday shopping. Just going through all these T-shirt designs that I was not too keen on. <laughs> so did you find anything? I I, I found. I think I showed you it. I found this one with ice cream and hockey sticks that was $55, but with the discount, I got it down to eh, a fairly reasonable price, but... Admittedly still expensive for a t-shirt. Yeah. Yeah. I'm still waiting for you to make the uh, college animal house shirt with the L's as R's. Well, we'll do a small run. You just have to find... uh... (laughs) 
but you know I've, I've been having second thoughts about it like wearing it in public I, I i wonder if anyone would give me bad looks i i feel like if i was wearing it yeah i'd get some i'd get some strange looks but i think you you get a pass yeah <laughs> Well, I don't think you could wear it. I think only Asian people can wear it because yeah. no one would get the joke if you wore it. And then, you know, I, you ever see those T-shirts where you just wonder, how can anyone wear this out in public? The one, of them, uh, one of them is the, the Man, the Legend shirt. I don't know how anyone could wear that out in public. There's a lot of cringy shirts, and some of them are on some of the sites we were talking about. Or, <laughs> or, or just like any shirt with the word fuck on it. <laughs> it's a bold move to, to wear yeah, I remember, I remember in, I think it was eighth grade, one of my classmates came to school wearing a Marilyn Manson shirt, and on the back of it, it said, I am the god of fuck. Yeah, I And I thought it was so shirt. scandalous at the time, like, oh my god, his shirt says fuck on it. Was he, was he re requested to turn it inside out? Uh, no, the, the teacher just told him to, I don't think, the, I don't think the teachers noticed until I told on him, and you <laughs> he narc. just asked to put like a sweater on just to cover up the back of the shirt. The most risque shirt I think I've got or the thing that anybody would have a problem with uh, is my a Great Alaskan Bush Company shirt that I acquired from my dad, which I think if anybody's familiar with that, you've probably seen that design before. But mine's a classic from like 84. It's a nice worn in shirt. It's great. Fits hey, amazing. I but it also has a naked illustration of a woman on there. I'll be very poorly drawn. I don't wear that one as much anymore. I'm <laughs> Um, it's it's whenever I do throw it on, the girlfriend gives me a dirty look. I usually yeah. I have one from uh, I have a Blink Away Two shirt. This just says take your take off your pants and jacket on the front. I've never worn it out. I've never worn it. I think I don't know why I bought it, but we all have things like that, I guess. <laughs> I was driving around uh, Thanksgiving weekend and I heard Jerry was a race car driver by Primus on Live One Hundred Five, which is the Bay Area's alternative, basically the the rock station, the contemporary rock station. So I, I hear this Primus song, and my first thought is, whoa, Jerry was a race car driver on the radio. And my second thought is, oh, it must be a 90s weekend <laughs> for them to be playing this song. But, you know, I think half of Live 105's playlist is still songs from the 90s. You still hear Nirvana and Red Hot Chili Peppers and Sublime. I guess... 90s weekends now means we'll dig deeper, deeper cuts. Okay. One and wonders. To that end, like Jerry was a race car driver, wasn't Primus's biggest hit, was it? No. My, I mean, my like, name is Mud, Winona's or Big Brown Beaver, yeah, right? or Winona's got a big brown beaver. Going to be for anybody yeah. who doesn't know anything else about Primus, those would be the one of those two songs. Yeah, those would be the ones you'd know by. Yeah, even then, Jerry was a race car driver was pretty unusual to be playing. Yeah, yeah. But it was nice, this 90s weekend, because it's just a nice reprieve from the heavy rotation of this Walk the Moon song, Shut Up and Dance. Have you heard it? Yes, I have. So I cannot stand this song. It's it's and, up up there with that Honey, I'm Good song. As, and it, <laughs> do they play Shut Up and Dance on the alternative station? Yes. Well, wow. The, the, the alternative station broke the song. So I first heard it last November, and I think I dug it like the second time I heard it. But then it just started blowing up, and so you would hear it on like pop stations. I would never have pegged it as a song to break on a well, I mean, pre base station. <laughs> so, so, so like sometime during the summer, this song just became ubiquitous. You, you, you couldn't escape it. This, this song was released as a single. I looked it up on Wikipedia. It's September 10th, 2014. So it's had a long tail. It's, it's still being, like I said, it's still in heavy rotation on the radio. Walk the Moon performed it at the Video Music Awards in September, and they just performed it at the American Music Awards two weeks ago. They're, they're stretching a lot out of this one single. Right, and according to Wikipedia, they released a set, the follow-up single in May, but apparently no one, <laughs> no one that, cared. That got me. no legs, huh? Nope, they just, they just want to hear more of this Shut Up and Dance song. And I wonder about bands like this. Do they, do they get sick of playing this one song or do they enjoy you know the fleeting fame of having a a, a huge cu a cultural phenomenon i'm sure they're sick of playing it it reminds me of the time that uh the counting crows were here for like one of our festivals and a bunch of people were really pissed because they didn't play like round here they were they were like th people were mad like negating the entire everything they enjoyed about the show if they liked it God forbid, I'm sure they did if they were at the show and paid to go. 
they were upset after that because they didn't play a hit that they, you know they just cannot stand. And I think they actually played quite a bit of newer material, and people were irritated at that too. It just reminds I, me of that shit. I'm glad that yep. I'm glad they uh, didn't play it. I'm glad the Counting Crows were able I, to piss somebody off. I think it's I'm hilarious. Always, I'm always curious about like musical artists' relationship with their songs. Like I remember Modest Mouse probably got annoyed of playing Float On. <laughs> and I remember seeing them at a festival and they just snuck Float On to the middle of the set. They didn't like, end it. They, they, didn't... Just, they felt obligated to play the song, but they didn't save it for last like most people do, right? And like Thursday, Thursday wasn't as, was never as big as Modest Mouse, but I remember seeing them and they opened with, what is the name of that song? The, um, the one Is it Understanding in a Car Crash? Yeah. Or is that Not sure Julie be. and the Theater? Uh, no, yeah, that's Thursday. Okay, they they opened with their their most popular song, and I thought that was pretty ballsy. But uh, yeah, going back to like Walk the Moon and this song, I'm reminded of other acts. Capital Cities rode that Safe and Sound song to high festival slots for a good two years. It was just this one song, and they were getting booked. You know, on festival posters, you'd see them on the third or fourth line as this main attraction at these festivals for this one song. And then I thought of Blink-182. Enema of the State came out in June 1999. Over a year, 15 months later, I, I remember seeing them on the, the Video Music Awards playing, still playing all the small things. I didn't know whether to feel bad or say good for them, you know. You've broken through with this song and and taken advantage of all the, all the benefits that come with it. But you got to you like, got to be so sick of it by the end though. I mean, they're just punishing themselves, but let it, I alone mean, the listeners. It, it, it's a song that they they would play anyway on, you know, on tour. It's just the one song that mainstream America wants to hear. So you have to play it. But I don't think it's something that they they would shy away from playing, like uh, you know, Radiohead shies away from playing Creep, or Rivers Cuomo shied away from playing Pinkerton songs for for a while. Is that is there? Do you know why Rivers I th- didn't? I think is there's it a because distinction the port- between like I think there's a distinction between hating a song that you wrote and getting tired of playing. <laughs> I mean, those could be one and the same at some point too. You might end up hating it because you're tired of playing it. Yeah, and then you know, I, then I remember uh, seeing Andre 3000 at the Video Music Awards in 2004. This is like a year after Speaker Box, The Love Below was released, and he was he was going to perform Hey Ya, <laughs> and I remember him like sighing before he had to perform like, oh, okay, let's do this, and here he it goes singing, again. Uh, yeah. <laughs> This uh, do you did do you think these are just like the, the downside of being a musical artist is if one of your songs becomes really big, you have to perform it. Well, it's a weird thing because I mean that's the goal obviously for I would say the majority of artists anyways. Right. You want you want to be noticed. You get noticed after a song. You're chained to it. I mean some I mean obviously bands like Radiohead they're not they're not chained to to one song. They've risen above that sort of thing, but a lot of these bands don't. Capital Cities, they got nothing else and they're not going you know, they're they're not going to rise above that one that one song and same with Walk the Moon. I guess you just got to ride it out for as long as you can. Just keep that gravy boat afloat. I remember watching um one thing I was thinking is that bands don't musical artists or bands, they don't really quit being musical artists anymore like i remember watching bands reunited on vh1 and they would try to reunite these bands from the 80s and they go out and find members of the bands and like i remember one guy was a computer engineer who lived and lived on like a farm or something musical artists today they just keep plugging along they're uh, like there are bands from the 90s who are still releasing albums even though no one is listening to them ugly kid joe <laughs> might still be together releasing albums i i think they are and they just like dropped one recently you know you, you you'll go look up bands from your from your youth on wikipedia and you'll see that they've been releasing albums even though no one's listening to them and they're completely irrelevant well because they're either they're either still together in the same form and never went away because they're still putting out music you know radiohead has existed forever you know i don't think anybody's really chomping at the bit to get a new firehouse album or something like ugly kid joe i I mean yeah i I mean i I guess like going back to the whole creativity thing. I think true artists want to keep creating hits. The not so true ones are are content writing the same thing for a while. Maybe that's reductive, but like like Radiohead, 
they don't have to play they don't play creep often because they don't have to because they have other hit that they can play and i think that's what true artists want to to achieve they they want to be able to to not have to play all of their hits because they have so many of them and on that topic i saw that <laughs> little bub has an album coming out and my first thought was how is a cat releasing an album but it- Upon further investigation, it says, for years, Bub fan, this cat is fans. Bub fans have been asking about the magical music used in Bub videos and begged, begged for it to be available on an actual album. Well, now it is. Your so, wishes have been granted, people. Yeah. How, how is this cat still releasing shit? Man, uh, cats in the internet. <sighs> And it's this one particular. I remember I saw a movie about this cat. Yeah, this that had uh, that had uh, Aubrey Plaza in it. That came out last year, right? Like a Christmas. No, no, that was that was a movie with the cat. I saw a documentary on this cat. Oh, they are really, they are really milking this. This Ugh. cat is the shut up and dance, a feline, <laughs> shut up and dance. Also, uh, releasing an album. I I discovered this week, or I learned rather this week, that John Benjamin uh, released a jazz album called Jazz Daredevil. John Benjamin, the voice of Archer and Bob Belcher, Sterling Archer and Bob Belcher, rather. And on Sub Pop, no less. And so I thought it would be like a comedy album because... In the promo video, John Benjamin says he, he doesn't know how to play piano, but he wanted to record a jazz album. But then I listened to some tracks on iTunes, like the 90-minute clip, and it's actual jazz music. Well, uh, I mean, and the track names are... The, I four, Can't Play Piano, yeah, Part I, 1. Yeah, Part 2, Part 3, Part 4. Uh, soft jazz. Or, the first track and the last track are comedy, are comedy songs. Aziz Ansari and Kristen Schell are on the first track, but so, so uh, you know the bulk of the album is jazz music. It sounds like jazz music, uh, and so, him playing you know, shitty piano because I didn't hear, I didn't listen to the the clips that you did. I just watched the it, you, promo. You can't video. even discern the piano. It just sounds like jazz music. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's it's very weird. You want to read into the intentions of an album like this? Is it a comedy album or is he earnestly trying to make music? I'm guessing it's. To me, it feels like a stupid, funny thing that he's doing. But where's the, the songs? Com- they are. But, they're not stupid or funny. They're just like. But yeah, therein lies the therein lies the problem. Is you listen to it and apparently it's just jazz music. So maybe you just have to look at it as a whole piece, which is knowing him and his style. And it's a it's it's a weird entity in that normally when our, when celebrities record albums like this either they're the artists like <laughs> Macho Man's rap album or Shaq. Eddie Murphy's reggae song or they're definitely comedy like Tenacious D or Flight of the Concords right and it's it's very Andy Kaufman esque for him to just release straight jazz song to me that's got to be the joke the cover of it's pretty funny. It's called Jazz Daredevil, which I think is, regardless if the music is funny or not, I just think the fact that he's releasing something is pretty, pretty funny. Okay, so uh, the trailer for Captain America Civil War dropped. What do you think? I'm pretty stoked for it, actually. I think it looks good. It's a big... I'm fascinated by... Go ahead. There, it's, there's a lot going on. Yeah. There's just a ton, there's a ton of shit going on. It's funny when you hear actors talk about not wanting to do television because they don't want to get locked into playing the same character for like 10 years. Meanwhile, all these actors are signing and signing these seven picture contracts with Marvel and Star Wars and <laughs> playing the same character for 10 years. This is Chris Evans out, though, because... They're, they're probably going to off him, as they should. He's been looking to get out. And I know Thor wants to get out, too, because he, he doesn't want to maintain the body. So do you know if they're going to reboot, or are they going to, like, recast? Is it going to be like Bond, where just someone else comes in? Or is it going to be like Doctor Who, where someone else steps in when it comes to comics and the further out they go they have they out there's always an out somebody has taken over at some point so they can always do you know like spider-man is black right now and there's a woman thor in the comics whether or not that translates into the cinematic universe very well it's hard to say they always have a slight out in that regard yeah and then you know you know what they could do is they could have a, a whole new crew of actors step in to these characters. I just don't. I don't see them just going. Okay, well. And then for like phase, phase Hulk's 10, gonna be somebody different a, and just not. They could do a huge anything. movie with both Iron Mans and both Spider Mans. It would have like every actor in Hollywood would be in they, this one. They come back like way down the line after. Yeah, been that would out. be like a super super war. 
the smart thing, I think, is just to kill people off. Chris Evans doesn't want to do it anymore. The best thing solution they have is to actually kill him off in the movies because nobody, hardly anybody dies in any of these things. Somebody else is going to take the mantle. I mean, if I don't want to spoil anything. Think, think, I was also thinking about how it's Marvel's track record is kind of impressive in that I keep waiting for them to release a dud. And depending on how you feel about their, their films or their, their television shows. There's not, there's, there's not one thing that you can say is truly execrable, you know? Well, I, I, I just wonder, like, when the bottom is going to fall out. Surely one of these movies isn't going to work. Or, or maybe the goodwill is so much that... It just doesn't it, matter. Yeah, they're, they're, they're invulnerable to bad press, bad writing. What's your least favorite of the bunch? What do you think, consider, is the worst one of any of the phases releases so far oh gosh the last avengers film was kind of dumb it was it was filler if i really no, had no one remembers one. iron man 2 right iron man 2 and thor 2 the second well, thor I th the thing about thor 2 is i really like the the end sequence where they're, they're going through portals i thought that was i was, thought that was kind of cool but the thor movies aren't memorable to begin with <laughs> okay just wanted to see where you where you sat on the low the low end of the totem pole for their movies so yeah, Captain America Civil War 2016 seems to be the year of putting a bunch of superheroes together, right? There's that show uh, Legends of Tomorrow on the CW. Seems like Suicide Squad. The lowly version of the Suicide Squad, just like on TV, the, the we'll TV have version, the, the, the yeah. Defenders, which is like the lowly version of the Avengers. What's interesting is that both, were they brothers? The brothers on Prison Break are are, are together again on, on this Legends of Tomorrow show. Yeah, one, um, one, yeah, one Freezes stuff and the other the other guy uses fire for some shit. So 2016, lots of comic book films. I just want to go through them. The Gauntlet begins, or slog if you want to call it um, that. Uh, the Gauntlet begins in February with Deadpool. Where do you stand on this? My goodwill with Ryan Reynolds, I think, has run out, so I'm not sure. Uh, what, what, what was interesting is that the trailer played really well at Comic-Con. They played it twice, which people, they don't do. People lost their shit. People lost their shit. And then I watched it and I watched the I watched both versions of it. I don't know when Deadpool said, but when he cracked the the line about Posh Spice and Rosie O'Donnell, I just groaned. Because it's such a dated reference. It's such it's such a dated joke. And maybe that's what's supposed to be funny. Or I like I wonder, couldn't they get Seth Rogen to come in and punch up the references? As something a little more modern? Or or maybe Deadpool is not set in 2015. Any movie could have lines punched up and just redubbed in it's this he doesn't even have a mouth that moves in it. right he, he could just he could literally go into adr right now and just and just fire off new quips i mean that would be the smart thing is actually go and replace everything you heard in the trailer with more timely references for the release because, of the like, movie. i wonder if this was a scripted joke or just something ryan reynolds said off the cuff because tj miller's lines in the trailer they're not bad like your face looks like a topographical map whatever it, I laughed. Surely you can get someone in the cast or someone in Hollywood to, to punch up these references. They they do not play, at least for me. I'm on the same page with that. If it stays hyper-violent and, and the jokes don't <laughs> are better with what we haven't seen so far, then it might be all right. Ryan Reynolds kind of drives me nuts. <laughs> this was, this would be, it's not the first R-rated Marvel film because the Punisher, Punisher films, right? Yeah. But at least in recent years, it's it's the one R-rated one. And I was I was talking to, to Pinder and he said that they shut down a viaduct to film Deadpool in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. They like, shut down a whole section of, of highway. I'm He said it was like a, t a test by city government to see if the city could Get, get by without this this viaduct using this viaduct for traffic and now that they now that they plan to just get rid of this whole viaduct completely so deadpool was their their test to see if the city could survive without it all right so that's deadpool in february for valentine's day and then at the end of march is batman versus superman i i i read that warner brothers plans to use Batman as the the Samuel the Nick Fury tying all the the DC films together so Batman would appear in all of the films Batman in the Wonder Woman film Batman in the the Aquaman film you see Batman in the Suicide Squad trailer and I don't think that's a bad idea Batman is probably the, their their coolest character so this Batman's got a hit though otherwise they could be I, th in an I think Batman vs. Superman will be uh, a hit. I think it'll be a hit. I don't know. But People like to crap on it. 
it's I, Batman. I I think the 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 longer most recent trailer made it look a little better than what I thought going in because I didn't like the last. I didn't like the Superman movie. Well, the, the the Superman movie. The thing with Superman is Superman's always been kind of lame. But if you have Batman, <laughs> people love Batman more than Superman. That's what that's what has me interested. Like I wasn't too keen on seeing Man of Steel, but I'll watch any Batman movie. That's why they're going to use him as the glue. Yeah, he's, and, their, he's their only and, solid, interesting, and, good character. I, I wonder why they don't use the same actors that are playing DC characters on television. Like, why don't they use Stephen Amell as Arrow or Grant, what's his name, as The Flash in the movies? I think that would be interesting. I think it's one step further than what Marvel is doing. You know, you could create a super universe to get people to watch your shows on television and to see them in the movies. Well, I don't think it's been done before where where actors just go back and forth between TV and film. It's going to happen at some point. They're going to cross over. But they've, they've already cast a Flash. Well, yeah, because <laughs> Scoot already... McNary, isn't he supposed to be Flash? From no, Hall no, Catchfire? isn't the it's Ezra? What's his name? Oh, right? that's right. Okay, then yeah, I couldn't figure I, out who Scoot is in that. Why don't Why don't you use your established characters already and just put them in the movie? Somebody's gonna. I don't know who's gonna who's gonna do it first. It's either gonna be. I'm guessing it'll be DC before it'll be Marvel. Yeah, you, know, you, you know what it is? It's it's the filming schedules probably. Like you can't pull the actors out of TV to go do your movie unless they do it during the summer during the hiatus, right? There'll be some crossover they, at some point. They, they can do well. Marvel kind of does. Like you'll see like a, a shield character or two pop up in the films, but they're very tangential. Well, and you're not going to I mean, well, you have it in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. a little bit because I mean, the main character is actually a coming from like, the movies. I, well, I, I don't expect Ben Affleck to ever show up on any of the C, on the CW at all. No, it'll it'll go TV to movie. It won't go the... Yeah. Well, they did have uh, the girl from Thor show up in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. What, uh, whoever, what's the <laughs> that's, all, that's the only person they can get, is is the girl who's now in Blind Spot. Yeah, there you go. But She was um, she was the girl Kyle XY. I didn't watch that. You didn't watch Kyle XY? Oh, no. Yeah, Jamie but Alexander. They, they could do something like Days of Future Past, where you have the two flashes. <laughs> Marvel, you, they can't they can't recast Daredevil. He's established. That's too that's too good for them on TV. So you're not going to have two Daredevils. Yeah, I, I think Marvel is going to use the Jessica. If they do use Jessica Jones in the in a film, it'll probably be Kristen Ritter, right? So I th- I just feel like DC. I don't know. I'm not sure what they're doing casting duplicates of of, of characters. Well, because Marvel has avoided that so far. There hasn't been any dupes yeah there's not somebody on a tv show that's being cast in a movie or vice versa did you see that um they're gonna bring the flash into supergirl which is cross network they might put constantine in the legends of tomorrow (laughs) gotham is just this lone island in itself (laughs) okay next in may Captain America Civil War comes out at the beginning of May. And then Memorial Day weekend, a few weeks later, is X-Men Apocalypse. I like the idea of this trilogy, although I read they're making a fourth one. I like the idea of this trilogy going by decade. There's the 60s film, the 70s film. This one will be set in the 80s. I don't know what to think about these X-Men movies. Do you think there's been a gr- truly great X-Men film? Did you like Days of Futures Past? I liked it. I, I don't... I'm not sure I loved it. I'm glad it retconned everything and still made three exist. The awful movie that three is, which I mean, I'm assuming you think one and two probably aren't that great either. But th- the third one obviously was the worst of the first. Well, set here's, of those. The, here's the thing. My my reservation about Apocalypse is I don't think Brian Singer is a good action director. He's and you not. watch these, yeah. And so like the, the centerpiece of X two was the Nightcrawler in the White House, right? And centerpiece of Days of Future Past was it Days of Future Past was Quicksilver, Quicksilver. in the kitchen. These aren't really action scenes per se. Well, they're heavy but, use of it, CG it, and spinning around in motion stuff. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at Marvel's stuff. In every film, they make sure to have, like, fights, right? They're the legit fights. Even in the TV shows, we'll, we'll throw in fights. And that's something that the X-Men franchise has not done, except for X3, which, of course, wasn't directed by Brian Singer. I just wish, like, they could give him, like, an assistant director Somebody. to work on action. I feel like that's what the X-Men franchise is missing. You know, you have all these mutants with these cool powers. Let them fight. Well, and he, did you like the fighting in Daredevil? Is okay. Okay, um, but I mean, there's there's a whole I just, I just well see more of people action. that could like there's there's really not that much action. Like in Days of Future Past, there really wasn't that much going on. <laughs> it's more it's more of a movie with it's more of a drama, right? The X Men movies are more dramas than action films. 
or like popcorn movies. You also have people with straight up powers and not just like you, like you look at the Wolverine films. There's action in them. They they go out of their way to put put action in the films. But these X Men movies, it's singers at, at the helm of this moderate action. It's they're, they're never thrilling to me. I'm in agreement with that. So but, well, yeah, we'll they see. should be somebody else to, to to punch like, up the the action. Yeah. That would be good. Maybe, maybe the fourth one will be in the 90s. The, the, the problem now is that they've cast these, these actors to play young X-Men in the 80s. And you can't really age them up to do the 90s, right? Well, <laughs> 10 years later? Yeah. Maybe and, it's only- and the X-Men movies have thing where they do recast. Because a lot of these characters have shown up in other degrees, but they've just been played by totally different people. And since they didn't matter, yeah. they just go and recast. So X-Men well, is, like- is the outlier when it comes to recasting. But it's just because they decided to actually make somebody central who wasn't central character before that was cast. So. Yeah, but like w- what I heard is that they'll use X-Men Apocalypse to launch X-Factor as a separate franchise and so, so we so, finally get cable yeah then you know we've been talking about cable <laughs> the cable movie for forever uh, since i was like 10 i saw an article on the av club about how do we fix the x-men as far as comics go and my first thought was well marvel is trying to sabotage x-men in the comics because they don't own the property well yeah any fox so, property is just getting at, at the same time i wonder like a lot of these comic book movies are based on existing comics and surely you could just get some creative here we go with creativity creative writers to just write new x-men stories right why are we always so dependent on existing material yeah because i mean you already have the characters which is the biggest base of right i, mean, I feel like if, if someone if some guy can just go into marvel and write a great x-men arc, arc. just get that guy or surely one person in, in all of america can do the same thing you know has some great ideas it's it's like it's a like Game of Thrones, right? Knowing what's going to happen, as opposed to we'll just give you a completely original X Men story. Maybe that's what the, maybe maybe people don't want that. Maybe people just want to see the stories they love on screen. The good portion of people I know who see these movies have no clue. They're not people who even read comics or are familiar with anything at all. Right. So I guess that's why I'm wondering. X Men doesn't need to be saved. You just need to find someone to a good writer, right? So X-Men Apocalypse is the end of May, and then Wikipedia lists Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as a superhero movie, but we will ignore that. And then in August, in the Guardians of the Galaxy spot, it's Suicide Squad, which we shall see. <laughs> How does it look to you? Once I finally saw the Joker, at least in a movement, I, I don't know. DC, do, is is a hard, it, DC it, movies it, are just it, such a hard sell to me. Do you think this is the Joker that they use going forward? Yes, it's got to be. Okay. And then in October, Pencil in. We just skipped over Suicide I have nothing to say about Suicide Yeah. <laughs> in October is Gambit, supposedly. But does it have um, a director now? They do have a director, I think. Okay. It's, who cares? It's a, his name is Who Cares. Wow, uh, harsh. My, <laughs> and my friend thinks Gambit is lame. I always thought Gambit was the coolest X-Men because he could, maybe I just love gambling so much that I thought it was cool that he could supercharge playing cards, right? Well, anything. He can charge kinetically. Right. Do you think do you do you think Gambit is lame? You know, I used to think he was really cool. You know, my era of Marvel and comics is really pretty attached to the apocalypse version of the X-Men they're making, that style, the Jim Lee version of Marvel characters. I used to think Gambit was awesome. Now I don't think he's that cool anymore. The one look we got at him in uh which one was he in was it a he wolverine was in, movie x-men origins wolverine ah, okay uh taylor kitsch played him right? yeah <laughs> it just they just kept kind of it, it's weird down. that gambit is the one who gets his own film right outside of wolverine yeah we, were they talking about a magneto film that that would never happen but gambit is the one that they pursue yeah I, how how that's the next strongest pick but i mean you're not going to make a mystique movie there's not a single one i would want to see a solo film from other than wolverine not a nobody wants to see cyclops <laughs> you know you know it's interesting about the, this this recent X-Men trilogy is that they've been making a mostly without, you know, remember uh, the X-Men animated series? They've been m- making them mostly without those characters, right? There hasn't been a Cyclops yet or a Storm. Well, the, um, yeah, the new, the new, what you're talking about, like the next set, not yeah, the first yeah, three, yeah. but so, the now the what they've made since then. 
so Fox basically has a blank slate to reboot all the mo- the more the most familiar X Men. So I'll, I'll be curious to see what they do with that. And then finally, in November of next year, is Doctor Strange. I don't know anything about him. He just reminds me of Rachel Ghoul. I'm not very familiar with Doctor Strange, I'm, so I'm just looking at this cast. They have Benedict Cumberbatch, and Your they have favorite. Tilda Swinton, and they have Mads Mikkelsen. Those are that's a weird ass cast. Chewy till Eva Jafar too. Yeah, Michael Stuhlberg. These are all character actors that they have in this film, which I suppose is not a bad idea, right? They just all disappear into their characters. I can't see Mads Mikkelsen anymore and not think Hannibal. Like, like his, his picture shows up in Spectre and you just think, oh, it's Hannibal, right? In that Rihanna video, oh, it's Hannibal. Last year he was at the Oscars because he was nominated for some foreign film. and Well, some foreign film he was in was nominated and you see him clapping and Oh, it's Hannibal at the Oscar. I just hope it's not too clownish. Like, everybody is just deep into what... The, the, you got a lot of weirdos in this cast. I don't see anybody here who necessarily has the charisma. It's like, oh, I want to see it because that person's in it. They're all going to be... I think there's going to be a lot of chewing the scenery with Way this cast. off the just, edge, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. There, there are a lot of eccentric people in this cast. Yeah, I don't know who the gra- like who's the grounded one out of who you named. Amy Lynn. Rachel McAdams. Are you going right? to see Amy Adams? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Yeah, one of the same. Uh, so, like, next year, um, Fox is a big clusterfuck movie in Apocalypse. Warner Brothers is two of... Well, I think Suicide, Suicide Squad's more of the clusterfuck. And Marvel has Captain America Civil War. So it's, it's a lot of actors locked into these these contracts who... you're gonna We're running it? out of A-list people you can put in a suit because you also have to factor in like Star Wars is eating up a lot of talent too. Well, they uh, seem to do a pretty good job of casting people that at least have it's, it's, it's interesting. Isn't Mads Mikkelsen in a Star Wars film too? Like, I, yeah, he's in Rogue One. So he's oh, in yeah. Doctor Strange and Rogue One, both releasing in late next year. So maybe Disney's offering like two for one contracts. You can be in a Marvel film and a Star Wars film. They're just going to be rolling in money, I guess. Yeah, yeah I, just feel, I just feel like sooner, soon it's going to be easier to find actors who aren't attached to a, a comic book property <laughs> or a Star Wars film. It's just eating up everybody. I mean, even Forrest Whitaker here isn't safe. He's in Rogue One, too. What is he in? He's in Rogue One. He's going to be oh, in Rogue, he's in Rogue One. One. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully not flying, okay. a, flying a jet with his wonky eye. Yeah. <laughs> God. I was talking to you about some celebrity that collected snow globes and i figured it out it's corbin burnson star of major league you had to dig back yeah i've never seen major league and he was on a a sitcom about baseball too i want to say it was complete savages but i think that was the one about mel gibson's family Uh, yeah that was the one with like a bunch of kids right or a bunch of yeah like the the producer i'm thinking we're going way back the 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 baseball show is called well, he has a big IMDb. He's got a lot coming IMDb. out in 2005. Yeah. A whole new ball game was the show, 1995 sitcom. But anyway, so Corbin Burnson collects snow globes. I just want to read a bit of this article about his snow globe thing. The unusual collection began when he was shooting LA Law, visiting cities, and being gifted the tchotchkes as he went. By the end of the show's eight-year run, he says he had collected about 25 or 30 before finding an antique snow globe priced at $240. I went, whoa, I think these are the same things I collect, he said. From there, he went to work researching the old-fashioned way by asking around and reading physical newspapers like Snow Biz. (laughs) Oh, God. Evidently, there is a newsletter about snow globes. And so his collection now sits around 8,000 snow globes. Who has room for that shit? Corbin Burnson, apparently. On Wikipedia, I found this note. According to the book One Red Paperclip, this is a book about a guy who bartered one paperclip into like a house. In June 2006, Burnson traded a role uh, in, in a film, Donna on Demand, to the book's author for a snow globe of the band Kiss. <laughs> he must have one serious snow globe collection. I wonder how rare that Kiss one is anything like pinball i guess that's probably why it's worth something so i mean his poor kids like when he dies what are they gonna do Ugh. with all these snow <laughs> all these snow globes <laughs> dad just get a job that pays no more snow globes to, to that end i was wondering you know how when you go out to bars they have the custom beer tab handles do you know who makes them is there like a manufacturer of these beer tab handles because they're all like different shapes and designs i don't know if there's a company like a single couple of companies it, that manufacture it, it, for it, you 
the guys I know who own breweries, they just creatively like hire people out to make them. I know they had they were having it, a manufacturer. It's, it's just like a hobby. Friends. They just get some wood and. Well, I mean, obviously, you've seen some that are like molded crazy, and there's also some that are just like a little wooden paddle. The yeah. range the range is pretty large on the manufacturing for them. I've never seen any one place you could just order. Hey, that we want it to look like a fishing pole or something, and they just make it. I think you got to be creative and find somebody who can produce it for you. I feel like this would be something that'd be cool to collect. Beer tap handles. That would be pretty sweet. I wonder if anyone has been collecting these things. They're pretty expensive for the most part, depending on how elaborate they get. But even the simple ones are kind of expensive. Do, so you, do hard... you collect anything? Vinyl, but that's uh, not really that unique. I've, coll- I've, coll- I've collected two things in my life. One was when Phantom Menace came out, Taco Bell had these plastic cup toppers, all the characters from the movie. There are 12 of them. It was Taco Bell, all the Yum! brands, KFC and Pizza Hut. In uh, each brand had four of them. And you'd have to collect all 12, right? And so I, I had my I couldn't drive then. I had my parents drive me around to every Taco Bell, KFC, and Pizza Hut in the Bay Area looking for these cup tops. I, I got them all, but I don't know where they are. Oh, now. no. They're somewhere in storage, yeah. Okay. But the coolest one was R2-D2 because... The cup topper also had legs, so the cup would be the body of the R2-D2. Uh, uh, yeah. You just you know, put it on the, the cup. And he would work good for the shape of a cup top. He kind of looks like a rounded, yeah. a rounded like slushy top. And then, and then uh, the second thing I remember collecting was when the movie 101 Dalmatians came out. I don't remember when it came out. McDonald's made 101 different Dalmatian toys. Oh, yeah, I remember that. And You collected uh, those? I, I saw, I was watching the Rosie O'Donnell show and she had all 101 on her desk. And I thought I could do that too, but it was really hard to find all 101 just going to random McDonald's. So I think I got up to like 50 of them. I would just go into the McDonald's and just ask to buy these toys for like a dollar each. Yeah, but you didn't complete so, the collection. Yeah, I was, I, was, I was quite the fast food shit collector in my youth. Collecting beer, oh, oh, you, beer tap panels. You know what else I collected? Soundtracks. There, I had a soundtrack phase where I thought, I'm just going to buy every CD sound. This was like mid-90s. I wanted to buy every uh, soundtrack. That doesn't seem so that I weird, sound, though. I have soundtracks to like four rooms, that Tarantino film with Robert Rodriguez where they each directed a fourth of the film. I have soundtracks that no one... No one owns because no one would buy. Because, you know, Centrex were a big business in the mid-90s. Yeah, I wonder why, why – I don't want Centrex aren't as big anymore because I feel like with the fractured music market, why not get your songs into a, a film, right? Why, why not use the exposure? Well, you, you don't see the run of like 80s and 90s things where you're optioning a song specifically for a movie – this doesn't happen anymore. You don't have your Kenny Loggins, or, 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 uh, or, or not that write write a song for the movie. Yeah, that's what we, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, I mean, have you seen these best original song Oscar nominees of late? No. Like this year, we'll actually have some songs that have that people know, like that "See You Again" song. Everyone knows that song. Why why not write songs like that and be be heard in a popular film and you know be eligible for an Oscar? I don't I don't know why more people don't do that, or or Hollywood doesn't pursue it. Do you think it's because everything is like symphony based, big epics and stuff like that? So you're just, you're not in it because John even Williams that, like, is doing I, it? What is, that, what is that one song? Uh, the Aerosmith song. Uh, I don't uh, want to miss a thing uh, or whatever. I, I, I don't want to close my eyes. Yeah. The Armageddon song, right? Yeah. I think that just played over the credits, but because it was written for the film, it was eligible for an Oscar. Yeah. And you could release it. I mean, you know, the, remember like in the 90s, they would have those. Uh, music videos with the movie tie-ins, <laughs> like the, the the Puff Daddy one, or with Godzilla in it. They don't do that anymore. Why not do that, right? It seems like a ideal vehicle to to get your 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 stuffer. Well, and you don't see anything like the End of Days soundtrack. Like people just there was a bunch of rock bands that just dumped off shitty songs they had just laying around. Wait, so th- I think there's a difference between dumping off songs and. But the, people don't even I, do that anymore, though. Right. Right. Because who so, who do you want to hear even a dumped off song anymore? You're not going to have that situation. So I feel like if 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 you're going to write a song, why not write it with the the film in mind? But I, I kind of I also kind of miss the ones where it's just a dump off of some shitty track you had. That, this that, is that's where a lot of my that's a lot of my soundtrack collection. Like 
the Dumb and Dumber soundtrack. There's like one song in the movie, and then just a bunch of like eight, 90s bands that never went anywhere. Or the Crow <laughs> 2. The rest of the, I, the I owned a lot of these soundtracks where it was just a dump off of like, oh, it had like one Deftone song that they probably just had laying around. And they're like, yeah, we'll just throw it on the Crow 2 soundtrack. They're also in the movie, but... I believe that End of Days soundtrack had um, Limp Bizkit yep. crushed. That was a good song. Yeah, it did have Limp Bizkit on there. And I don't know, I'm sure I have that that disc laying around somewhere but i just remember a super beast re- or or a remix there was always like a remix song jammed in there too uh and a cover and then kind of slip in a cover song by somebody it, too M- M- mission impossible stopped getting major musical artists to to cover the the theme, theme. The, the first one was u2 right and the yeah. second one was was a Meta- was metallica did an original song yeah and, and then Biscuit Biscuit did, did the, the third one and the third one i remember a kanye west did one version and they didn't use it oh really and then that's that, yeah that's it so and now all they do is just they just minimalize the theme song in there so you can kind of barely notice it and that's yeah 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 and, and soundtracks mostly just consist of like films that girls will go see <laughs> like twilight or hunger games where they might be more inclined 50 to 50 shades of gray the female fronted movies that are doing this and we're just not paying attention to those ones. Now I'm kind of pissed. Like I wanted Interstellar to have a bunch of dumped off. Yeah, like fucking... 50 Shades of Grey has three legit candidates for an Oscar. Is, <laughs> is, is is the Ellie Goulding song one of them? Ellie Goulding song is eligible. The Weeknd earned it song is eligible and there's another mm-hmm. one. And uh, you know, those songs got pop radio play. I wouldn't be surprised uh, if, I wouldn't be shocked if one won. No. See you. See you again is winning. Yeah, they, they might as well. They might as well play. See you. You know they have to perform the songs. They might as well run the necrology while, while the see you again song is playing. Like lo- looping back to where um to, to earlier, they got to be sick of playing that song, right? The see you again song. Oh, that song drives me absolutely. Yeah. Like how many times? I feel like for the Oscars, they got to have Vin Diesel singing along on stage, singing along with them to make it special. Otherwise, it's just like. Just hands across America, just everybody from the movie up there. Just you got to do something special. Run the necrology or have like Vin Diesel doing something, like <laughs> singing harmonies on the song. Wasn't it enough he named his kid after him? You know, it, I was looking at Vin Diesel's filmography. It's funny how he, he just decided, you know what? I'm going to do another triple X film. <laughs> I'm going to do more Riddick films. I'm tired of running from my past. I'm going to embrace it fully and possibly overly. He's just going to make Fast and Furious, Triple X, and Riddick films from now on. Okay, so this isn't a fever dream. Ice Cube took over Triple X at one point, right? Yeah, yeah. Because okay. Vin, Vin didn't want to do it. But then, like, you know, Vin didn't want to do Fast and Furious 2 either. Did you? He came back to Fast and Furious. Yeah. You're, he's and, he's uh, come full circle. He's run back into every one of his his franchises. So Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's, he's, he's Sean connery uh the Triple <laughs> X franchise. Oh God! Did you see the Triple X State of the Union? Is that what it is? Yeah. Uh, oh, I may have. I saw one, and there was a sequence on a train. That might be the first one, and not the one with Ice Cube in it. Yeah, I don't think that's the one with Ice Cube. I'm now. I'm really. I might. I might have to visit this one just yeah. for just for old times' sake. All right, that's it uh, for this episode. You can catch me on AdamRiff.com and on Twitter at AdamRiffs with an S at the end. And you can find me uh, at Zombieologist on Twitter. And also we have an email address if you'd like to contact us. It is BackwashAudio at gmail.com. That's it. Shut it down. All right. We'll see you guys later. So obviously you really don't, you're not down with the biscuit. No, no, I'm limping with the biscuit. I'm totally limping with the biscuit, man. I am limping with a biscuit. (laughs) 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 Totally. Would you pay, are you going to pay money to listen to this record? This record? Which one? This one? You mean uh, chocolate starfish in the hot dog flavored water? (laughs) Ha 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 ha.